What's up, everyone? This is Coach Casey Lee, Parisi's Director of Education and Coaching. Before we get into this week's Parisi podcast episode featuring our master trainers, Steve Leo and Stan Schofield, longtime owner, longtime strength coach in the Parisi Network, I wanted to take a couple minutes and let you know our sports performance mentorship enrollment for this fall, starting on Monday, September 6th, is open. You'll see the link in the show notes. If you click that link, you're going to find all the information on the 12-week program as well as the application to enroll. It's an amazing program that we started in early 2020. We've had dozens of coaches go through this mentorship with raving reviews on systemizing their coaching, learning more about speed and agility training and coaching progressions, and also picking up a couple different program tips that have allowed them to earn more money in their career as a sports performance coach. If you think this is going to be something that you're interested in, smash that link in the show notes, learn a little bit more about the program, complete the application, From there, you can make a decision if you want to join. It's a 12-week program. It's super affordable. It's a super good time. I'm biased. I'm the lead mentor, but you know what I'm trying to say here. It's worth it. Check it out. Smash the show notes. On this week's episode of the Parisi Podcast, as I mentioned, Steve Leo, our guy, Steve Leo here at Parisi HQ, is talking to Stan Schofield, longtime owner in the Parisi Network. I think you'll find real quick in this conversation that Stan operates his facility at a high level, and he has a strong niche in the baseball softball market out in Maine. Without further ado, on the other side of the jingle, our guy, Steve Leo, and our other guy, Stan Schofield. Hey, Parisi Nation. This is Steve Leo. I'm your host. Again, I am lucky to have Stan Schofield on. Uh, Stan has been around the Parisi Network for almost as long as me. Um, he's got a really cool story. Uh, I'm going to let him introduce himself up there in Maine. He's going to give us his background, but I really want to talk about uh, his journey uh, in and out of Parisi's, but also how we started out in this business and taking a little bit of a different route to get into the sports performance business. So Stan, thanks for getting on and just give us a quick intro, what you do, where you're from, all that fun stuff. No, my pleasure. My pleasure. It's great to uh, it's great to be back, um, and you know, and talking to you. And so, my background. Uh, so, I'm an athletic trainer, strength and conditioning coach. Um, once I got out of college, uh, my first job out of school was uh, I was working for the Boston Red Sox, and I was a minor league athletic trainer. And back then, strength and conditioning was like was a brand new thing in the, in the baseball realm. Um, and our organ, the Red Sox organization was pretty progressive in, you know, wanting to prevent injuries and saw that strength and conditioning was a pathway to make that happen. So that really taught me a lot about how to develop athletes. So what they would do with us um, is they would take, you know, during the regular season, we would just work with a team, do regular workouts. But then the off season, what I did was I went down and worked at our minor league complex. And so working with some of the injured athletes that got hurt or had surgery uh, through the course of the season. But they would also send us like guys that had been drafted with goals like, hey, this guy needs to put on 20 pounds in the off season, or this guy needs to get stronger here or whatever. And so we would test them out, evaluate them and, and then you know, either they would stay with us and train with us, or we would send them home with a program, you know, and kind of follow them up uh, throughout the off season. But we were one of the first organizations to run like off season workouts. And we started with like 15 athletes one season. By the time I left, we were up to like 60 or 70 guys would be showing up. Um, it was real strong. And, and, you know, lo and behold, Hey, those injury rates went right down during, during spring training. So, 
Um, I left there and started working with an orthopedic group, uh, you know, doing the classic like athletic trainer um, at, at the school, but also they wanted me to kind of head up a, uh, a sports performance program. Um, and we kind of slowly made that grow. Uh, we ended up opening up a, you know, we were the first in the area to open up a 10,000 square foot uh, sports performance center. You know, and as we were doing that, what um, one of the things I knew was this is like, I know how to train athletes, you know, me myself. But what I didn't know was like, was really how to do it from a business sense, because back then and not to date myself, right? <laughs> back in the day, there was only like a handful of people that were really doing sports performance as a business, you know, Parisi was one of them, Mike Boyle was another um, athletes performance, or IMG, uh, which is now Exos. And what I knew was like, I didn't have a system, you know, and I really needed help along the lines of like, a, a proven system that kind of worked as it relates to kind of, hey, bringing somebody in, evaluating them, selling a program, and then progressing them through and making them a better athlete. And that's what really kind of, as I researched and I go to perform better and meet, you know, I met Bill and Martin and just, you know, we decided to have a partnership there and we became like, we were one of the earlier adopters of the Parisi program. Um, and it was awesome. Uh, we, you know, as a Parisi program director for, man, at least eight years, maybe more than that. Um, and it was, it was phenomenal. Um, we, we did a lot. We worked with, with, you know, I worked with you, worked with Eric, worked with, you know, a lot of other folks and kind of helping to, you know, begin, continue to push the, the Parisi programming, um, you know, more along the lines with the strength side of things, but, um, it, it was, it was awesome. You know, I just, I love that experience. Um, then in about, when was it? It was, was it 2019? or fall of 2018 uh, organization, the orthopedic group I was with, uh, we separated ways. Uh, they were not really into the sports performance side of things um, and moved on. And then from there, I kind of had to, to figure out like, what is it I want to do? You know, because, you know, here I am, I'm not employed anymore. And, oh, by the way, my wife left her job of 18 years with a, with a healthcare company too. So, you know, it took a few months to kind of really figure out like, what is it um, I'm passionate about? Because at that point, you know, working for a large healthcare company, I was doing both the athletic training side and the sports performance side. I was a little kind of burnt out, so to speak, from the administrative end. But it came very clear after talking to people, um, people, coaches, friends that, man, my, my calling is in this sports performance sector, um, specifically around baseball, softball. And I said, hey, that's a good idea. When I start up, um, when I start up my own business and get back into the sports performance world and uh, call it Schofield Performance. So, hey, that brings us to present time. Here I am. That's a lot all in one, right? <laughs> that's a lot all in one. one right there. You know, I can keep lot. going on and on, but I want to take a, at least take a breath. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, let's talk a little bit about um, – you know, when you first started out, you, you were working with pro athletes and, you know, at a pretty young age. So how was that when you first started working with them and then introducing, we'll say strength training, right. To professional baseball players, which at the time, right. This is what early nineties, early to mid nineties, still working out. Like you said, strength training wasn't that prevalent in, in major league baseball. So how was that experience? Did you meet any resistance along the way? Some of the players or coaches say, you know, the typical, hey, if you get too strong, you're going to be tight. Did you deal with any of those barriers at all when you first got it going? 
Absolutely. You know, because back then it was like, oh, you you don't want to lift weights. It's going to make it's going to make you tight. It's going to make you throw. You know, you're not going to be as uh, you're not going to throw as hard. You know, there was a lot of resistance. And one of the things you learned there, unlike working with like high school athletes or even college athletes where it's like, hey, you know, as the athletic trainer, the strength coach, I told you to do something, you know, they just do it. Right yeah. there, it took like those guys, those pro athletes. It's like I'm not doing that, and they just walk off. Like you actually have to, you know, reach them. You have to kind of talk to them. Like, hey, the reason why we're going to do, you know, a lunge and and this lower body workout is, and you actually explain to them like this is the benefits it's going to have to you, and and that's how you begin to kind of create buy in, and and it's really showing them that you know you care about them as the person and as well as them as an athlete it's succeeding versus I'm just telling you what what to do. And that was how I began to kind of reach guys was was more from the educational standpoint. You know, and at the same time, it also took a lot in terms of trying to convince coaches. And the biggest way I, I did that was, you know, the, the guys you need to pay attention to the most if you're in baseball is your pitching staff, right? Yeah. Like those are the guys, that's where the money is. Those are the guys that are usually going to get hurt the most um, and usually around the shoulder. So I took it upon myself to kind of befriend some of the, the the pitching coaches and really begin to learn about pitching mechanics and, you know, what is it in the art of, of throwing? Like, how does all that happen? Um, and really understand the, the, the biomechanics. By understanding the biomechanics, then I could kind of ex- explain to them like, hey, the reason why you want them doing this medicine ball work, you know, or this core work or this mobility flexibility work is because during the delivery, it helps them do X. So it's a lot for, you know, being able to, it's no different than today. It's like, you have to provide some educational component and not just try to shove down people's throat. Like, no, you need to do this. You have to do this. You got to explain to them the whys in order to make, in order to make the, the house kind of happen. Um, so, you know, that's, that's how I kind of did it, you know, and I learned quickly, you know, learned quickly. My first year was like a real education of, Hey, this is what's going to take. And then as you gain experience, you know, that's how we were able to kind of get more and more to the, uh, adoption of our program and more and more athletes to kind of take part in it along with, Hey, results kind of come with it, you know, and that once guys started seeing results, Hey, they're more injury resistant. They're getting faster. They're getting stronger. Velo's starting to pick up that's where you get more and more people to create buy-in. Yeah. I mean, if you think back then, like you said, the, uh, the injuries were going down and probably at the time injury reduction, you know, mitigating those injuries is probably a big thing performing a little better. But if you look at now, I'm going to fast forward 25 years. We're in this crazy era where, I mean, every time you put a baseball game, guys are throwing a hundred plus. Um, right. It's crazy what's happening. I mean, obviously in my mind, the training has become a big part of it, right. Between the performance training, the biomechanist, the pitching coaches, all of that stuff, the arm throwing programs, all of that now has really evolved. Um, how, how do you think that is affecting pitchers now? Even I want to say long-term because I, in my mind, I feel all that max effort work that they're doing is probably one of the reasons why guys are still getting hurt, even though we know more about strength conditioning than we've ever known you know, in the past 20 years. So what are your thoughts on kind of what's going on now with all these guys just you know, crushing the gun every, every time you watch a baseball game? You know, and, and, and that that's exactly it. It's like what, you know, that's what everybody's looking for. It's that max effort, that max velo. And 
there's a lot of forces that, that are on top of it. So not only do you have guys throwing a ton, right? So at a very high level of intensity at, you know, with long toss and everything else, but you also have the whole weighted ball movement kind of going along with it, right? So yeah, it definitely, you know, injury rates with that stuff, if you're, if you're not careful, like they just skyrocket. And it, so that's where it becomes real important, you know, whether you're a strength coach, an athletic trainer, physical therapist, if you're if you're working with that population, you got to be you got to be very well educated around the shoulder, um, around you know the the spine, thoracic spine, um, and understanding like what to look for and making sure that like there's no major red flags when people are going to begin these programs. Looking at things like you know shoulder total motion and um, you know and, and rib position and and making sure they have the right mobility in, in, in the right areas and the right stability in the right areas before they're even beginning those programs. Because if they do that, right, if they if they have some of those issues and you don't address them, like it's a fast track for them getting hurt. And I think a lot of that gets missed. Um, you've got a lot of programs out there that, you know, and I'm not saying like I know anything about anything, but what I'm saying is like, there's a lot of programs over there that, you know, the only thing they care about is the result. Right. So it's like, oh, you want to start throwing harder? Okay. Here's, you know, here's the driveline program. Let's go, just go get after it without clearing some of the, these other areas or making sure that their foundation, right, is complete and, and available for them to be able to, to, you know, put that level of loaded intensity on. And it's, um, you know, unfortunately, you know, and, and with your higher level guys, you know, the guys that are throwing hard, again, it's that classic example, like guys throwing hard, like leave them alone, you know, yeah, like just give them, give them some more, but don't, don't change his mechanics. Don't give him weight training. Don't have him do any of this other stuff because, you know, he, he's already got it. And typically again, they're the guys that throw hard. They throw the most, they have the most volume on their arm. Um, they accumulate the most stress. And unless you address some of that stuff, that's where your injuries begin to, to really kind of pile up and happen. Yeah, and to follow up on that, I mean, obviously, you know, we were just talking prior to the call, right? You have two sons who are playing, you know, club travel baseball. Every kid now who plays club or travel baseball and softball are just playing a ton. Um, and do you think that there's a residual effect of them playing, say they start club ball like 10, 11, 12 years old, they play all the way, and if they're lucky enough, they play at a high level, college, and maybe in the pros. Do you think that all those long-term effects are hitting them later in life, you know, say if they're in college or in the pros? Do you think those are – any of the reasons why some of these injuries are occurring? Yeah. I mean, because you have adaptations, right. You know um, you're going to have bony adaptations, muscular adaptations to that stress that's on it. You know, Eric Cressy kind of talks about all the time of like, Hey, here's the, here's the bony adaptations that we, we get around the guy that's, that's been throwing X amount of innings over X, X period of times. And yeah, that definitely contributes to it over the long haul. I think that the big thing with the, with the kids to help stave that off is, you know, again, going back to, hey, if you're a high-level baseball player, make sure they're doing something else in the offseason, right? Like, at a young age, they shouldn't be playing, you know, starting, you know, if they're a high-level player, they're playing travel ball. So they're starting in January, right? And then they're going from their January schedule right into a competitive season, whether that's Little League or travel or both. That goes into, you know, if they're, an, if they're good and they're playing travel, they're going into at least June – and then if they're also pretty good, they're making the Little League All-Star team. And now they're going into at least mid to late July 
And then sometimes they'll go and play fall ball. Like that's a yeah. tremendous amount of stress. It's so important at that age, at that younger age, like, dude, stop in like August, you know, at the latest, go play another sport, go play golf, football, soccer, go do something else, put that ball down and go, really go out and do it. That's it's like the best way to, to get guys healthy. The guys that I see that run into the most problems are at an early age, you know, 11, 12, they've already kind of stopped the other sports and now they're just a singular sport athlete. And, you know, we've just seen over and over again, like, you know, those single sport athletes, the injury rates are, are sky high, you know, and yeah, you can use our, you know, again, that's where Parisi comes in, you know, the strength and conditioning, the sports performance training helps out because it's almost a secondary sport, but still it's just good for them. I think to kind of, you know, do a, more of a, a classical sport to kind of help them stave off those injuries more long-term, you know, as you get older, like once they become like, you know, junior, senior, if you're really kind of realizing this is our pathway, you know, to like you going to the next level and playing in college or beyond, and you want to kind of, and you want to, you know, specialize. Okay. I can, you know, there's good argument for doing that, but again, you still have to have, you know, you've got to have that strength and conditioning background or foundational work to, to help stave off those injuries and ultimately give you higher levels of performance. Yeah, I mean, I think you make a great point about the strength conditioning becoming their other sport. I mean, listen, I think the days of a three-sport athlete are probably gone. I mean, I was a three-sport athlete. I played three sports my whole high school career. But I, I still think kids could play two sports. You know, they, like you said, they could yeah. play soccer in the fall and, uh, you know, baseball in the spring and summer. Because, I mean, if you look at it, they're playing nine months out of the year sometimes. Um, yeah, and it's impossible. Like, you know, just looking at this year, it, you, you make that point, like, to actually be a three sport athlete is so it's so hard because not only are you just playing the sport in season, like during, during uh, soccer season, you play soccer during basketball season, you play basketball during baseball season, you play baseball in the summertime, all three of those sports want you to do their program in the summertime too. Right. And they all have some sort of carryover travel. And it's like, it, it's, it's impossible. I mean, it's, it's a lot of work to be able to, do the three sport even the two sport thing you know in this day and age it's, it's difficult and um just trying to find the right balance that's all i tell you know i you probably do the same thing you have a couple of drinks with the parents and kids and that's what you talk about hey what are your kids doing what are they up to and i'm sure you get hit up i get hit up with a ton of questions all the time what should i be doing with my kid and sometimes it's unpopular what i say because i tell them tell them the rest take them out for ice cream yeah take a break uh, and if you don't know, you got to do more. They got to do more. And I, I appreciate that because, listen, I'm the same way. You, you have to be focused. You have to put the time in. You have to have a plan. I, but I'll give you an example. Like my daughter had her on a little bit of a plan this summer. Um, you know, she ran track and we shut her down. I think I had to do a couple more meets, but she was shut down by early July. So that, that's it. You're done. Because she's been running since February. And yeah. doing some workouts. And the group that we were working out with, a lot of kids are on vacation this week. So I said, you know what? Just go for a run today. She's like, what, what should I do? I go, I don't know. Go for a run. Figure it out. Do what feels good. And she just looked because they're so used to it is a structured, exact set rep. And I think part of what kids need a little more of now is they need a little freedom. Not that we want to give them everything, but I think once in a while, let them have a say in what they do. And sometimes they'll kind of just pick something fun to do. And if they move a little, I don't think it's a bad thing once in a while. So I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I know kids are on programs, but do you ever do things like that in the middle of your workouts? Like let them just kind of, you know, maybe play dodgeball or something like that to kind of just change things up. Oh yeah. We ha we'll have guys throw, throw a football. We'll have guys do, 
do different things in here just to, again, kind of mix it, mix it up a little bit. The other thing we do too is, is like, I'm not afraid to like kid just finished, got a bunch of guys that are, they're wrapping up their baseball season, their travel season, showcase seasons right now. And I'll tell them like, Hey, listen, I don't want to see you inside my facility till September. I want you to go out and be a kid. Go, just go get away from the stress. Go, go to the beach, go to the amusement park, go hang out with your parents, go be with your friends and let some of that stress leave your body. And then we'll come back here and go and get after it. And I think a lot of, not, I think, I know a lot of them appreciate that, you know, because then when they come back in, they're ready to go get after it, you know, versus like, Oh, I gotta get, I gotta continue on with the grind, you know? And again, you're trying to not just, you know, grind that body down, but also not, you know, beat them down mentally where they begin to kind of push that element of like, man, I'm getting burnt out of the sport because you can get into that real fast as well. And it, it you know, it, you, you, you nailed it on the head. Like, Hey, just, if you feel like you need to go exercise, yeah, just go for a run, go do something. It doesn't just go free play. It, that's okay. Yeah. Cause I think, you know, listen, we're, you and I are very similar. We've worked on projects together doing some baseball programs and, you know, we're both very detail oriented. But I think there needs to be a flip side of that because I think kids are so detail oriented between going to school and college prep and SATs and AP classes. I mean, they don't have that like freedom type thing. I think they need a little bit more of that. And I think more for the mental uh, state, you know, and again, look what's going on in sports down. Mental health is becoming uh, much more to the forefront. Um, and I think you and I have probably dealt with this on a, on a daily basis, working with kids who, you know, you can tell they're shot mentally. They're just done from everything going on. And, I've had kids tell me, I don't want to play anymore. Like they're just done. And they yeah. would talk to the parents and I'm like, mm, I don't know if that's my job, but um, yeah, it's happens, you know, it definitely happens. All the time. Yeah. And especially actually more so this year, I, I just see it, but I, we can get away. I'll get away from that. I don't want to go down that road, but yeah. yeah. It's a whack deal. <laughs> I mean, I think it's, you know, I, I feel good. I think the springtime, I think for most kids was um, normal is not the right word, but it's as close to normal as it could have been couple of little things here and there, but whatever. I, I think the kids are fine. Uh, but, you know, moving forward, ha- how do you see strength conditioning uh, moving forward, especially, you know, we're definitely talking about baseball and softball. How do you see it moving forward? Because the exit velo off the bat and the velo on the gun are number one for every parent. And I'll, I'll follow that up as well. Where do you think kids need to start? Because you, you mentioned it earlier. Kids, a 14-year-old may walk in your facility, going to be a freshman next year. Kids throwing, I don't know, 75 miles an hour. You know, mom and dad, mom throw 90. Where do you start with them? Because you know they want to be on the rocket throwing program, whatever, you know, whatever you guys call it. Um, what do you do and how, how do you kind of get them going? So how I get it, I mean, we start with a pretty comprehensive evaluation. Um, and I'll answer that question a couple different ways, but we start with a comprehensive evaluation. So I'll, I'll talk to them about like, what have you done for training? You know, what's the last time you trained for three days a week for three months or more? We'll go into like, the big thing is like nutrition. What are you eating? You know, uh, I'll go into injury history, talk about that. But then we, we established like three or four specific goals. And for most of these guys that, that, and gals I get, like body weight's a big one, right? They're all skinny. They're yeah. all underweight. <laughs> and I tell them like, hey, listen, if your goal is to play at the next level, right? Velo's one thing, but you know what? You know, five, nine, five, 10, buck 40 to buck 60 pounds is a dime a dozen in New England, right? Any coach could find any of, any of that. Like if you want to really stand out, you know, as a showcase player and reach the next level, your velo and exit velo may take you one place, but what really stands out is like those bigger, stronger kids. 
because those bigger, stronger kids are usually hitting the ball a lot further, and they're also throwing the ball a lot harder. So we really kind of hone in on like, you know, being able to optimize body weight. And I think that's an, an important factor. Again, I don't have any, I don't have any, it's all like just my own experience, but I think you have to accumulate some mass in your body to be able to accept those loads, right? Again, you can't lift like bigger weights unless you've got mass behind you. Doesn't mean I need everybody to look, to look like a power lifter, but we want to get you around your, your optimal body weight. You know, and a lot of guys, it's taking them from 140 pounds to 170, 175, because, you know, that's about where you should sit. So my take-home message during that eval is like, we got to get you here. So we've, again, it goes back to our principle of, you got to have that right foundation, you know, and it, it begins with having a great base of strength so that you can accept those forces and deliver those forces on the mound or at, or, you know, at the plate. And, you know, if you're strong, then you're going to be more resistant to injury. Right. And if you're stronger, you're going to be faster. You know, your, your six, your six yard dash time is going to go down. Um, you're going to be able to accept forces like on the field and being able to change direction. So that's really where I see it. It, a lot of it is, is just beginning to get a good eval, but then, um, Hey, start to hit home with that nutrition and say, this is your underlying foundation. This is what we want to accomplish. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, listen, it's, we say it all the time, you know, there needs to be a base level of strength. And I think everyone knows that, but um, just to dive in a little deeper, let's, let's do a scenario because we have a lot of coaches get on this call. Yeah. The kid comes into September. We'll say, okay, it's new year, new me, right? The kid's going to come in and get, yeah. start training. And, you know, they want to make, uh, you know, we'll say they want to make the varsity baseball team. They're a freshman or a sophomore. They come to meet with you in September. They're going to train with you from September to March. What type of plan would you put them on? Just, you don't have to give me sets and reps, but just kind of yeah. how, what type of little like micro cycles would you do with them? And then also too, how would you advise them to incorporate uh, if they're doing a throwing program, getting pitching lessons, how would you advise them to layer that into that program? So, we're a little different and, and lucky in the fact that I'm comprehensive here. So I actually, my facility is big enough where I actually have a, the ability to throw inside my facility. So, but to go back to your question is, so again, it, it comes down to evaluation, um, September, October, I'm just taking a look at what's the stress that's been put on the body. Usually during that time period, it's a lot of time spent on mobility, flexibility, soft tissue, like really restoring all that tissue to, um, and getting them so they're not so beaten up and also so they're loose and begin to kind of accept load and, um, you know, kind of taking away those red flags that could lead to injury. For a lot of guys, usually if it's their first time with me, I'm checking, checking shoulder total motion. You know, I want to get them. Science tells us that I want my throwing side to be within nine degrees of, of my non-throwing non side. A lot of guys will come in 20, 30 degrees off. Wow. So it's imperative that I kind of restore that before we begin anything. So it's things like that that we're looking for the eval where, okay, the biggest areas, hey, let's get them loose. Let's get them mobile. Let's get them ready to do some work, set in some baseline strength areas. Um, then once we start to get November, December, now I'm starting to like, hey, we're going to really start getting after some strength, strength and power. Come January, now we're, we're also at the other thing too, in, in uh, November, December, I'm really starting to work on more arm care. So kind of really setting in the baseline of, the, of 
you know, their shoulder program, um, the rotator cuff program, January, February, March. Now I've actually beginning to incorporate uh, their long toss program. For the most part, they're doing it inside here with me. If they've got a pitching coach or something like that, most of them I know in the area, I'll either connect with them or at least I'll get an idea of like what their throwing schedule is. Hey, if you're throwing off the mound with this coach, I don't necessarily recommend you be doing that in January, but if at least I'll have an idea of like what they're doing and build their workouts kind of around that. But January, February, we're again, just pushing that strength and power. Come March, now I'm just making sure everything's kind of fine-tuned. Right. We'll back off on volume some, right? Probably include a little bit more mobility work as, as part of our supersets. So now come April. Oh, and the other thing, just pushing the conditioning level, making sure that their conditioning base is underneath them so that hey, they got the capacity to go out there and do work. So now come April, when they're ready to go hit the field and, and go hit pitchers and catchers, they're ready to just start go go and get after it and, and they're flying. And so that's many, kind of how we set things up a little bit. How so. many days a week do they do you normally see them? Three, four? So uh, minimum number of days of training with us is three. Okay. Um, guys that are guys and girls that are kind of in their um, junior and senior year, if they have the availability, I'll, I'll push four, right? But for me, three is the minimum. I, I just you have a really difficult getting time getting results one to two days a week. So here we just don't we don't do it. Um, but for the norm for us is, is three or four days a week. And then the splits of that, again, kind of um, really depend on the athlete and what their needs are. It's, it's hard to say. I don't necessarily follow an upper or lower body split or push pull. Um, it, you know, it really depends on what that person's needs are, um, dictates what they're doing on, on those specific days. Now that's great. I mean, and do you, are you working with any softball players as, as well? Or is it mostly baseball? Ba so it's, uh, I'd say we're probably, it's, it's primarily baseball, but I do have a, a fair amount of softball players too. And don't, and don't get me wrong. Like my niche is, is baseball, softball, but we have plenty of other athletes too. You know, yeah. I got plenty of swimmers. I got plenty of basketball players, um, you know, bunch of hockey players. It's just, this is just how we kind of handle that baseball softball route, but uh, the softball girls are the same. You know, a lot of them, the, the big take home message with them is, is strength. You know, strength is going to carry you so much further with your peers because most girls don't strength train. Yeah. Right. And it's going to set you apart. Like, and that, you know, softball inherently, you know, it leads to like some bigger girls tend to play that. And I just tell them like, Hey, listen, you're already a little bit bigger. You're already going to be a little bit stronger hey, let's really top off your strength. Let's teach you how to move a little bit better, you know, on the field, get your foot speed up, you know, so that you can play, you can play some different positions. And again, that's going to give you advantage over everybody else. Yeah. And, well, I, and yeah, I'm sorry. No, I was saying, I know well, I'm, kind of beating, I'm beating you up with the baseball, softball stuff, but what, um, the last question I'm going to ask you, how do you yeah. work with uh, softball pitchers versus baseball pitchers? Obviously the motion is different. Um, is there anything different that you do? I, I would assume lower body work is, is huge, but what are you doing around the shoulder complex for them? Is there anything different that you do with them as opposed to a baseball pitcher? I, I treat them the same. You do? You okay. know, and really, I, I, the, even the pitchers and the position players for baseball, you're still doing loads of arm care yeah. with it. I just, I, and they all kind of fall in the same category for me. It, it, to me, there's no harm being done by adding that work, you know, as part of their program. You know, so, you know, again, there's less stress 
that goes on with the with the the shoulder complex with softball pitchers. But overall, you know, once they're not playing softball, they're playing somewhere else on the field. And I want to make sure that that arm care um, is taking place. The other big thing that we do, believe it or not, is, is with softball players, a lot of them don't have that understanding of how to, you know, really how to, to create rotational force, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of them will just, when they throw, it's all arm. And you got to teach them like, hey, here's how to, here's how to, you know, put the weight on the inside ball of your foot, drive drive through your foot, create that triple extension and rotate through the hip in order to create the power for throwing. Because a lot of them really don't have that understanding of how to, of how to do that. It's just, Hey, I'm just going to, you know, drop my elbow a little bit and push that ball versus, Hey, coming over the top, gen- pushing off to that backside and generating the force through your hip. And then just allowing that arm to be the whip to carry it through. So for softball players, that that's a, you know, that's a big win if you can get them to do that because it's, again, not only are they going to have more performance on the field, but you're going to stave off those shoulder problems. Oh, that's good. It's interesting. I didn't know if there's anything different with the pitchers, but I agree. I mean, I think it doesn't matter if you're a pitcher or a thrower, throwing athlete, right? You, it's it's all pretty much the same, um, except for obviously if you're a pitcher in softball or baseball. But um, I promise you no more b- baseball questions. But Oh, no, I don't. Yeah, I know I'll that baseball can. all I know you can. I know you can. That's why I brought it up. But I think people in our network need to know that, you know, not to bust your phones down, but people need to know we have you in our network. I know if I have any baseball questions, I'm looking to what you and I did years ago. We put some stuff together and then I would still recommend you because, you know, you're knee deep in it all the time. And I think that's what people have to understand is if you know someone that's in, you know, whatever they're, they're working, if it's baseball, softball, football, whatever, use them as a resource because I don't think, I can't train every sport well. Like my youngest daughter just started swimming. I don't know anything about swimming. You know, when she's asking me, dad, what should I do? She's 11 years old. I'm like, I'm going to go online and look up some of the programs that we did because I don't fully understand it. Um, I understand training, but I think I want people to know, you know, how important uh, you are to our network and, and the fact that you're back now. That's kind of the reason why I wanted to do this call, but we started talking baseball and I got excited. Um, right. Right. Talk about, you know, obviously you, you were working for uh, orthopedic group for eight to 10 years. Um, things changed. You started your own company. You were working, I think, a rent space. Was that at a baseball school somewhere? No. So I started off, I literally, once I made that decision of, of like, I'm going to do the sports performance thing, I've always also been really good from the pitching side. So I took that stuff I learned from when I was in professional baseball. And one of the things I learned, right, and it still happens to this day, is like, if the pitcher gets hurt, it's not the pitcher's fault, right? It's a trainer's fault. Yeah. Right. It it doesn't matter how he throws. It's the, always a trainer's fault because I didn't make him do his shoulder program. So I I really did a deep dive into understanding pitching mechanics, and I I continue that to this day because it just fascinates me with you know how the body moves and how people kind of create velocity and force. So when I started back up, you know I only I was renting space out of this small personal twenty five hundred square foot personal training studio with you know four other personal trainers. And then on the side, I was doing like some pitching lesson stuff, some mini camps. And, you know, from the, from the sports performance side, I'm telling you, like I had like one or two clients, that's it. But I gradually just started to kind of, you get your reputation out there. I just, you know, I worked with one or two and then I got one athlete, which led to another one, which led to another one. And then, um, the big thing that really helped me take off was I did the classic, like, Hey, old school Parisi camps, speed camps. I ran like five of those 
you know, in the summertime, we're at five of those. And again, the more you just start to put your face out there, the more your people begin to recognize you and see you and um, got a couple athletes off that. And next thing you know, that the program just built. And I mean, and I grew, I mean, I grew exponentially during COVID. I mean, so much so that like during COVID, I was like frantically trying to find another space because, you know, I had, you know, 30, 30 to 35 somewhat athletes and I'm sharing this space with four other trainers. And it was, it was a big issue um, to, to do that. And well, luckily we were able to kind of, you know, in September of uh, this past year, I was able to move into, you know, the 10,000 square foot facility that I used to be in um, and be able to grow. Crazy. (laughs) It is crazy. I mean, right after I left, I mean, they closed within three months and then, and then it sat vacant. Oh, so the whole building was vacant. Well, this, this whole building wasn't, wasn't vacant, but the the performance space was. So just so everybody has an understanding, like inside, I'm going to, you know, 150,000 square foot building in here. There's an orthopedic group in here. There's a physical therapy group in here that were part of the orthopedic group that I was part of. But right smack dab in the middle of it is a 10,000 square foot uh, space that's got a four lane, 50 yard track, 30 yards of turf field and a a weight training area. Um, So that whole area was vacant and I just was able to kind of move into it. But, you know, in terms of just being able to grow, I think it's, you know, it's not magic. It was just applying the basic principles that I learned when I was part of the Parisi network. It's like, you've got to get your name out there. You've got to do some free stuff. You've got to do some demos. You've got to do some camps and, you know, and just get in front of people. And that's, that's literally, you know, how I, how I did it and how I got it back to where I am today. Um, it was just applying that same, that same methodology, you know? Um, yeah. yeah, there you go. Well, I think it's cool because, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the space opened up and sometimes when chaos happens, there's opportunity and, you know, you see an opportunity. Number one, get a bigger space and it's in a way ironic, right? You go back to the old space that you're in, which is a great space. Um, and it was your program, right? It was Schofield Performance, right? That's what it was called. But then I think it was in the winter or spring, you came back on board um, with us. So maybe take us through, through that process, kind of, you know, bringing it back old school. Yeah. It- you know, and I always knew, like, I wanted to get back into the network. And, you know, we, we got going and, you know, one of the, the other big things is as you grow, you've got to hire people, right? And part of that whole thing is like, you've got to be able to train your staff and train your staff up. And one of the things I always loved was the fact that the onboarding process as it relates to kind of Parisi and everything is outstanding because it's not only teaching you like, Hey, here's, here's the history of the Parisi. Here's the vision. Here's the mission statement. Uh, here's how to, here's how to train acceleration, top speed, change of direction. All that stuff is great. But there's also the other element of like teaching people how to be good coaches, you know, and, that system of how to do things, I just thought was phenomenal. I'm like, I, I want to get back to that, that educational platform and being able to put my staff in front of it. It was, was like key to me. So, you know, we began to kind of engage in conversations, you know, Bill and I about like, Hey, here's, here's what makes sense. My model's a little bit different. So I don't run it necessarily in the same classical sense as, as how like some other programs do. Um, Cause we're private, we're private 
session and one and semi-private session only along with summer camps but the methodology and the educational platform around it to me and what it's become compared to like what it was is really second to none there's so much great content on there um that is invaluable so it really helps me onboard new staff and continue to kind of provide because one of the things we do here is weekly staff development so every every wednesday we have our staff meeting and right after that is an hour of staff development um and i utilize a lot of the, the stuff that's inside uh the educational platform to deliver um content to my staff so that's how we kind of got back on board and, and back involved and i'd like to have more involvement you know and um, it's just a matter of of like getting a little bit more free time yeah <laughs> that's easy to find well I, I know i want you around i mean we want your brain involved in us so definitely from a you know the baseball center but even just your overall experience is is amazing and i think a lot of owners have probably done what you've done you know uh maybe they were somewhere they they changed, they left, whatever happened. And then they started out as an independent renting space, driving around, uh, you know, renting fields, whatever. And then you, know, you got into a bigger space because you grew your business and now you got reinvolved. Now, so I think a lot, of, a lot of people would, would get a lot out of that because some people think they could do it on their own. And I think all of us are, are proud people and we want to work hard. And, but sometimes it's okay to get a little bit of help. And it takes, yeah. it takes a lot of stuff off your plate. Like you don't have to, not that you don't have to think, but Hey, if I got a new staff coming on, I have a program I can give them that they can go do and then come to me and then I can kind of refine them a little. It's probably what you're what you're doing. Exactly. And, and you know, you just nailed it on the head. Like it, that goes back to the original reason why I looked into Parisi, you know, 12 years ago was because you need when you start a business, you need mentors, you need people that you can go talk to, you know, and you have this here. I had like this whole network of people that I could talk, not only training with, but talk business with. What do you run for specials? How are you doing your marketing? What do you do when you run into this? Like, I've always said this, like the network is so critical, like being able to be part of a network and using people not being afraid to talk to like the number of times you and i talked or i talked to eric or i talked to cirillo or casey and or ginger and bill and like it was it's so valuable just to have somebody where you can pick up the phone and you know begin asking questions like i can't emphasize that enough if you're if you're having trouble like as an owner or you've got a problem or even as a coach like get on the facebook groups or pick up the phone and and utilize this network because there's a lot of other you know you don't get that when you're just the you know the independent you know gym down the street or independent sports performance place down the street like they don't have that resource to tap into so you know my my big take-home message is you know utilize the network I, I think that's probably the best way to kind of end this but um you know we, Stan and I can definitely talk more we're going to get you on again but I think what I've gotten out of this call is we need to get Stan back involved and help us with our, our baseball <laughs> softball programming. And, you know, we definitely want you around. I'm excited that you're back um, and you know, that we're finally re-engaged. It's been a while since we've talked, uh, but right. uh, if people want to get in touch with you or follow you or check out what you're doing, where should they uh, get you? Cause now we got a lot of, a lot of places, handles and emails and what's the best right. way to get you. Uh, yeah. Uh, just go to, you know, follow our story on uh, Schofield underscore sports on Instagram. That's probably the best place. My website is really designed more along the lines of kind of captured business. But the our Instagram story kind of gives you, hey, here's a day in the life of what we do. And otherwise, like, 
hey, I'll see everybody at the summit. Let's go. I know. It's a hopefully, right? It's coming up. Coming up, hopefully everything stays normal. I pray. I pray everything's going to be okay. Um, That's right. Forward to a good weekend. You know, we missed it last year. And I, if anything, it's summit's my favorite part of, part of the year. We get to hang out, talk shop, and my too. share what we do. And, um, yeah, sometimes I think what happens is people don't understand. You forget. You do this every day, five, six, seven, eight hours a day. You think like, you're the only one going through these things. And then you get together with 100 other people, and everybody's going through the same same thing. Right. You know, you're like, okay, it's not just me, you know. Um, yeah, and it's a good time. I think to kick your feet up and have a beer once in a while and relax. Got to, you got to go to that. You know, it, yeah. you know. I'll say it again. It's exactly that. It's just being able to kind of connect with everybody, talk to talk to owners. Um, you know, meet new people who you can you can bounce things off of, and and you know what? You actually learn some stuff. You got the guru himself yeah. speaking about speed. Yeah. So I just found out. I didn't know. I was. <laughs> so I, so I read. <laughs> awesome well i'm looking forward to it. yeah i mean listen for me it's, it's funny if you look at you know i've i was doing some stuff with you and i had all of th- my hands in it but i've really taken the with the biomechanics of speed is real i've kind of dove deep into because i just fell in love with it and i'm coaching track and it's, it's all kind of worked out that way so i think you know you made a great point i want to leave people with it you found a niche that you love but you dove in deep and that's why you're so successful at it. and you're still learning i'm sure if you if I polled you right now, you'd say you probably got a ton more to learn, even though you've probably forgotten more than I know. So when it comes to baseball, got to be a student of the game. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Exactly. All right. Last, last question prediction for the yep. Red Sox. What are they, what are they going to do? Uh, my guess is they will go to um, American league championship. I don't know if they have, have what it takes to win the whole thing. That's, that's my prediction. We'll say I'll come that's back it. and help you. Dude, I just saw him pitch. Just saw him pitch last that. week. <laughs> dealing 97, 98 miles an hour. He right. did get lit up on Sunday, but hey, I'll, t- I'll take my chances. If you have him, you might, you got a shot. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's true. So that San Fran looks pretty tough. There's, you know, Tampa Bay is still going to be, to hold them off is going to be pretty tough, but that's, White that's Sox my call. With the White Sox yeah. are asleep. We'll see if they pull off a move in this trade deadline next day or so. We'll see. We'll see. see. All right. Well, Stan, thank you so much for getting on. I'm sure the whole network uh, appreciates it. And, you know, when you see him at the summit, go bug him a little bit. Yep. Please do. Introduce yourself. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me, Steve. Thank you.